Evening, everybody. My name is Neil, if you don't know. I'm not that famous, so just in case. So um, recently I did one of those cell phone upgrades, uh, you know, software upgrades, not instrument upgrades. And um, on the device I use, which is associated with Fruit, um, they now have this new feature called a, a screen time thing where it tells you how much time you've spent in each app and you can track. And um, so it's quite nice. At the end of the week, you can go in and you can see how much time you spent in each app and how much time you spent on your phone. And um, fortunately, my reality testing was quite good. I wasn't surprised by anything. But it did tell me that I spend probably around two, two and a half hours a week, maybe three, depends which week, um, reading news, which is, wasn't surprising to me. I enjoy reading news and could tell me how much time I spend on my app reading the Bible. And it was quite insightful. And a while ago, I was busy reading uh, something, and I read about a 90-year-old woman, I think she was about 90, that got pregnant and actually ended up giving birth. Did any of you read that? Do you not like spend time reading and stuff? Okay. Anybody? No, no, no one's read that. Okay. What if I tell you I was busy reading my Bible when I, when I read that? Anyone? I think Luanda's got it. Okay. The rest of you, you just don't read your Bibles. Ah. You need this app. You can download it, and it will tell you how much time you spend reading your Bible. It could be useful. The story is about Sarah, Abram's wife, Sarah. Okay, because sometimes in the, when we come to the Word and we in, in the Bible and we read these stories, we don't real, read them like they're real. So I want to talk a little bit about Abraham. Abraham is a significant figure in our in our salvation story because he's the first man who God said was in right relationship with him because he believed God because he exercised his faith appropriately. He not only believed God, he acted on that. He did what God said. And so I want to talk a little bit about Abraham. You can read his story between Genesis, 12 and, uh, Genesis chapter 12 and chapter 25. It will get you quite a few minutes on those tracking devices if you ha- or tracking software if you tend to use them. But God's journey with Abraham starts just for highlights overview for those of you who were playing during Sunday school or d- didn't attend. Uh, Abraham's about 75 years old in Genesis 12. It seems that God had started a process with his family because he called his father uh, to come to what we know as Canaan, or the promised land. But he, he didn't seem to finish the trip. He stops and he dies. And after his father's death, God then says to Abraham, I want you to leave. Everything you know, everything that's comfortable, take your family with you and go to, to Canaan. And there's a whole lot that happens in Abraham's life in the story. But one of the promises that God makes to Abraham, Genesis 12, Genesis 15, and it's repeated a couple of times in Abraham's life, is that I will bless you. All nations will be blessed through you. And you will have many descendants, and, you know, they will bless the earth. And this becomes a fundamental promise. It's, God says he will do this for Abraham because Abraham responded to what God said. Uh, God told Abraham to leave, to pack up and go. Abraham picked up and went. And so because of this, God promises him that he'll have many descendants. There's just one problem with this promise, that in Abraham's life, this didn't really happen all that quickly because his wife, Sarah, couldn't have children for some reason. They, they battled. But God had this, Abram had this promise from God. And so I want to kind of overlay our term theme onto this story. Our term theme that we've been working through last term and this term is, is about kingdom living. How do we live this extraordinary life as citizens in God's 
extraordinary kingdom. And the subtitle in our theme is this Up, In, and Out. Have any of you seen it? And how many of you have been wondering when we're going to start talking about Up, In, and Out? Okay, no one. All right. Tonight is the night. Okay. One of the ways we live in God's kingdom, we, we're talking tonight specifically, the, the theme assigned is about kingdom sight. How do we see things? Or kingdom perspective might be uh, more helpful to understand what we want to talk about. As people who live in God's kingdom, who are wanting to live in God's kingdom, how do we see things differently? And the way we do this is this up, in, and out. And we want to talk a little bit about up, in, and out. And it's reflected in a triangle. The top part of the triangle is up. Bottom left, your left is in. And then the bottom right would be out. Up, in, and out. Now, in Abram's life, he had this relationship with God. He responded to God. He had a promise from God. That's an up part. But as they started battling with the fulfillment of this promise, you know, God spoke, but Sarah wasn't getting pregnant and wasn't working. Abram did something probably that caused some problems in history. Is that he didn't go to the end part of the journey. He didn't go, God, what are you doing in my life, in my family's life, in my community of faith, in this space with this promise? Why isn't it happening? He didn't kind of walk that journey. He went straight to the out part, the execution part. So I'm overlaying the theme a little bit, okay? So what happens is he decides, look, he's got to make this promise happen. God said it, so... You know, faith without works is dead, so he'll do the works. And he resorts to what's common in his culture at that time. He resorts to what everyone around him would have done in that situation. And so they take his wife's uh, slave, her name was Hagar, and he sleeps with her. This is wrong. We know this from Genesis. They knew it was wrong. But that's kind of what they did at this time. Because the fundamental value, the highest value in the culture is that you must have a male heir. Because... That's what they believed was important. And that's how your line is, your descendants, your line is carried on. So Abraham's got this promise from God, and he knows for that to come true, he's got to have a son. So he sleeps with Hagar. She becomes pregnant, has a son called Ishmael. You all know this story. Doesn't go well at all. Okay, Sarah and Hagar get into each other. Um, I feel very sorry for Abraham because when two women in your life are fighting, it's always better just to... Okay. But it doesn't go well, and, and he doesn't step in, and it just gets worse and worse. But after the, the, the whole conflict around Ishmael kind of settles down, Genesis 15, God comes to Abram again, and he says, you're still going to have the descendants. They're still going to be as many as the stars in the sky, and all the nations will be blessed through you. But nothing happens until we get to about Genesis 18. And this is probably about, after God's journey with Abram starts around 75, this is probably about 25 years later. How many of you know, some of you aren't even 25 yet, so you don't have a clue, but how many of you know 25 years to wait for a promise of God to be fulfilled is a while? Anyone over 25? Yeah? It's a while. Okay. So... An event happens in Genesis 18, which is significant. Basically, God comes to visit Abraham. And Abraham makes God a meal, God and two angels, as we understand the scripture. And God says to him, next year this time, your wife will have the son. The son I originally promised. Not the son, you know, that you went from up to out. The son of your natural self-effort. Your son of, you know, God helps those who help themselves. Not that one. The one I always promised. He'll come in a year's time. And Abram's wife, Sarah, is in the tent, probably preparing the food. And she hears God saying this, and she laughs. And so God calls her out, and he said, you know, why are you laughing at me? Which must be very scary when God asks you, 
Why are you laughing at me? So she does what's very respectful and says, no, I didn't laugh. And God says, yes, you did. Um, and so about a year later, it happens that she has a son, and his name is Isaac, which means he laughs, because God always laughs lost. Okay? So sometimes God might say something to you, and it sounds ridiculous, so ridiculous that you actually, <laughs> really, God? Um, just remember, God always laughs lost. But in Genesis 21, Isaac is born, and the promise that God made to Abram is fulfilled. We read in Romans chapter 4, and if you have a device here, or, or even like a hard copy app, a Bible, um, Romans chapter 4, verse 19 to 21, the Apostle Paul writes about Abram, and he writes about him in very glowing terms, because if we read the story of Abram and how he pursues this promise of God and how he tries to follow God, he, it's a bit of a hit and miss story. He gets it right, and then he makes mistakes, and he lies about his wife being his sister so that he doesn't get killed, and you know, he doesn't, basically he's like us. Okay, but, when, but in the end, he achieves the promise that God had made. And so Paul writes about Abraham in quite glowing terms here in Romans chapter 4. He writes and he says about Abraham, without weakening his faith, it's like very strong, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Because when God comes in Genesis 18, you'll see now what Paul says, he was about a hundred years old. So when God comes to Abraham and says, next year your son will be born, he's 100 years old. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. Sarah was about 90. Okay? Paul says, yet he did not waver through unbelief. That's quite interesting. Did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. Abraham is the man of faith because he keeps believing what God said. He keeps holding on to that promise of God. And this, he was strengthened in his faith and, he gave, faith and he gave glory to God. Interesting phrase to end off verse 21. Being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. What happened between Genesis 16 where Abram tries to do it yourself and Genesis 21 when Isaac is born? Something happens in Abram's heart that he comes to the place where he is fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. If we think of this in up, in and out terms, God, Abram comes to God, I need, God gives him a promise, up, okay? You will have a son, simple terms. Abram kind of, it doesn't work, it doesn't come to pass as initially in his life as God says, and so then he, he goes the Hagar route, he goes the God helps those who help themselves, as I said earlier route, and he tries to make it come true because in his heart he's not fully convinced, goes through this whole journey of the heart, a couple of years, till we get to Genesis 21, where when God then says, Genesis 18, next year you'll have a son, and he has the son, he's become fully persuaded. Something in his heart has moved. In other words, instead of going from up to out, he's done an inward journey. God has he's come to a place within his heart where he knows that because God said it, I believe it. Now, I don't want to particularly talk too much tonight about faith, but we must understand, without being inappropriate or irreverent or anything, Abram was 100. His wife was 90. Now, understand that faith without works is dead, okay? But this is a miracle, people. Okay. 
How did Sarah get pregnant? Think about it. Don't imagine it. Okay. Do you understand? This is a miracle. When I shared the story at the beginning, okay, apart from Wanda that got where I was going, the rest of you couldn't believe it that someone who was 90 years old, a lady, got pregnant. Is that fair? This is the miracle of God. And this is real 19 and real 100. This is not funny Bible. This is God doing a miracle. So something happens when we're living in God's kingdom. We want to live his life. It's almost like this, that there's two perspectives that develop. We can look at the facts. We can look at life through the natural eyes. And this is true. We all do. We all, however things happen in our lives, however we're experiencing them, they happen they're there. They're the facts. Abram's body was as good as dead. His wife's womb was closed. This is a fact. Okay, this is not a misdiagnosis. This is reality. Now, what biblical faith does is it doesn't ignore the reality. It takes that reality and it holds it up before God. It says, up, God, you have promised, but this is the... I'm 100, she's 90, but you have promised. Abram does the journey of his heart. He becomes fully persuaded that God will do what he said he would do. He looks at life differently so that when he's 100, he doesn't do again what he did when he was maybe 20 years younger or however many years before that Isaac um, Ishmael was born. He looks at life not through the eyes just of facts, he also looks at life through the eyes of faith. He doesn't, so we can't deny the facts. That's escapism. That's not reality. But as believers, as we live in God's kingdom, we have the additional benefit of looking at life through the eyes of faith, where we can allow God to inform the facts. We can allow God to overrule the facts if necessary, what is naturally possible. God can do that. That's why we call it a miracle. When God does something that's not naturally possible, that is a miracle. At least I think it was a miracle. Do you? Okay. When we live our Christian life and we do our journeys, one of the, and we want to live out the kingdom life, and we want to have this kingdom perspective, it's easy and sometimes tempting to go from up to out. God speaks, we try and make it happen. And we don't always embrace that inward journey, the journey of the heart. Now, sometimes that inward journey is a journey we have to walk alone, where God settles things in our heart. But oftentimes, that inward journey is the journey in my faith community. It's the journey I walk with my, my confidence, my friends in the faith. It's the journey I walk with my small group. It's the journey I walk in my church. Because sometimes when God gives me a promise, first of all, I need to discern correctly, was it God? And the best place to do that is in my community of faith with people I trust and know. But sometimes it also helps that when we have this promise and we've got to hold on, and God takes 25 years or more to bring that promise to fulfillment, that there's people who stand with us. There's people who encourage us. There's people who take us along in that journey. And so the media guys try to, well, they didn't try. They got to try to just try and help with a bit of a visual picture to help understand this difference where we look at just through the eyes of fact. But what can happen when we add the eyes of Faith. Is that okay? And so, there's some examples for you. In my upward journey, let's say something happens in my life. Something occurs. Maybe it's good. God gives me a promise. Something bad happens. I'm facing a challenge. 
It can be anything. As a disciple, my first place to go is up. And I look at it, and it seems a bit blurry because I'm working off the image, okay? might seem a bit blurry. And so I can say, okay, well, let's look at the facts. And I put, let's say, the filter or the lens of facts over it. And I say, God, I look at this, and I cannot see a way. This, God, is impossible. If you said to me in high school I'd be standing up speaking in front of people, I would have said, there is just no way. My brother reminded us the other day in, in primary school, when we were in primary school, uh, primary school only ever did one play. I was two years older than him. I still am. Um, <laughs> it just works that way. It's amazing. Um, and so they gave me, a, because I was so nervous and bad at speaking in front of people, I was the policeman. It's got nothing to do with my temperament at all. Um, and they gave me like five words to say. My brother, got a, he was two years younger than me, and he got a whole song that he had to narrate. Okay? Just to give you an idea and kind of how nervous I got about it. I cannot see a way. But maybe God called me, and he said, I'm calling you to do this. I'm calling to speak. So then I have to look at it with the eyes of faith. And then suddenly I see... I will make a way. God will make a way to fulfill his promises. So God's now said to me, I will make a way. But now I don't want to jump to out. I don't want to make this happen in my natural strength. I don't want to miss God's process. So I realized, let me take it in, into my heart, because often it's a journey of the heart. Let me take it into my community. And so I look at it with the eyes of facts. And I say, well, God has spoken to me. God has told me he will make a way. But the fact is, I'm alone and I'm afraid. I'm the only one in my varsity class. I'm the only one in my family. I'm the only one who believes that God will make a way. I'm alone and I'm afraid. But then I step. I choose to say, well, Lord, help me see through the eyes of faith. And then God says, fear not. I am with you. You are never alone. God will make a way. I am never alone. Alone, up, in, third step of my kingdom living journey is, which is what God always intends, it has to go out, it always has to go beyond myself. So God, you said you'll make a way, I know I'm never alone, but it's me, I can't do it, that's the fact. I don't know how to do what you've asked me to do. And so, can we bring the lens of fact in? I can't do it, God. I don't know how, it's bigger than me, it's beyond me, I don't have the resources God can make a 90-year-old woman pregnant, I think. Okay. Sorry, let me just, God can help a 90-year-old woman get pregnant. Let me just be sharp on that. Now, some of you are laughing, so I had to fix that. Okay. It's not me, I'm responding to you. I can't do it. But then I come with the eyes of faith, and God says, from his word, you can do all things. And so when I want to live in God's kingdom, as a citizen of God's kingdom, I have two resources available to me. I have the facts. We can't ignore them. We don't practice a Christianity that denies the facts. But what we add as God's children, as Paul later refers to us as children of Abraham. If you, if you believe in God through faith, you are a son or a daughter of Abraham. Because he's the man of faith. He took the promise of God. Did his inward journey, became fully convinced that God could make it happen. And then acted on that, and Isaac was born. And so when we want to live effectively in God's kingdom, it's up, in, and out.
It's a kingdom in sight. When I want to live God's life, this kingdom life out, when I want to live it effectively, when I want to do it the way that God wants me to do, there's this process. I always first look up. Always first look up. God, what are you saying? No matter what comes at me, God, what are you saying? Maybe God speaks to you directly. Maybe it's a thought, gives you a vision, word of encouragement, a prophecy. Maybe he speaks to you through the scriptures as you read the Bible. You go to God. Whatever life situation takes, you take it to God. Then we don't run to the out. We do the in. Maybe we need to check with our small group and our community of friends. Does this sound like God? Is this God? And I don't know. And help me. And then you get prayed for and people help you. And you get encouraged in the journey. Maybe there's something that needs to happen in your heart that then God has to click. And when you become fully convinced that God has spoken to you, then you start stepping out in faith. Then you start acting in that. And you live out this Christian life that you would never have dreamed or have imagined possible because you do what Eugene Peterson, quoting some other philosophers, calls a long obedience in the same direction. Great things can be accomplished in heaven and on earth when we do a long obedience in the same direction. We pursue the promises of God for our lives. And so I wonder tonight, as, as you sit here, what are you facing? Maybe there's an uncertainty, maybe there's a difficult situation, but I know that as each of us sits here tonight, we need to know what, we need God's perspective. I'm going to make a time now where we can pray. Is, there, is anyone here, you've got a situation where you really need to hear God. I'm, I'm going to stretch you, but just ask you to be brave to stand where you are. Because the rest of us, the community of faith, are then going to pray for you. You know, someone just practice some kingdom living right here and now. Okay. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Father, you know what each one here is facing, the wisdom they need from heaven, the miracle they need. And Lord, as we stand here, we look to you. Individually, we look to you. We turn our attention to you. We look up. We say, Lord, give us the wisdom. Give us the word. Give us the insight that we need from heaven, as it were, to face what we're going to face. And Lord, if you so choose to speak to those standing now, I ask that you would do that. You would speak words of life, promises of hope, words of encouragement. If God doesn't specifically say something to you now or there's not a specific idea, you keep in this, this posture where, God, I'm waiting for you to speak. I need your wisdom. I want to know your ways. And then for those whom God did speak or as God does speak to you in the next few days, we take that in. Lord, we take these words into our hearts. And we take our faith that because you've said it, we can be fully persuaded that you will do what you've said you will do. Faith is always when we respond to God. And if you're not standing, won't you begin just to pray for those around you? As a community of faith, and even if you're standing, pray for those around you. Lord, we pray for courage in hearts and comfort in hearts to become fully persuaded 
of that which you want to do, that which you're saying. Some of you need to go and chat to your pastor or to your life group leader or just to friends that you know and trust in the Lord. Ask them to help you on this journey. And perhaps this journey will take a while. Perhaps it's quick for you. But your next step that you cannot leave is the out step. God, how do I do this? How do I accomplish that which I have become, which you have spoken and I have become fully persuaded of? And Lord, for those that need to step, those that know what to do, I ask that you give them boldness in your spirit and the courage to do what you want them to do. I pray this in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen and amen. Please be seated. So kingdom lifestyle, up in and out. This pattern means God's kingdom will grow. God's kingdom will extend, not only in your life, but in the spheres of influence that you have. Is that okay? And so we want to also transition now just to talk a little bit about something we call faith promise. Who's familiar with the term faith promise here tonight? It's a faith promise where we up, we wait on God to hear what he would like us to give to support or to give towards missions and ministries and Hatfield um, homegrown initiatives in the coming year. Traditionally, this has been a 12-month pledge that we run. It runs from November to October. But next year, we're going to be making our, uh, moving our conference for a number of reasons a little bit earlier in the year to August. And so the pledge we're asking for for this year is only a 10-month pledge. On your seats and, and close to you, there should have, on every seat, there should have been a card with a pen. And if you would consider just hearing from God, if he wants you, to, first of all, to be part of the faith promise, and then secondly, how much you can pledge. I think it's quite significant that over 35 years, there's been 100 million rand that's moved through. Isn't that bad? Ach, not bad at all. <laughs> Isn't that good? Not bad at all. 100 million rand through this local body that's gone towards missions and ministries and supporting people in that space. That's, um, you know, that's quite amazing for me. Uh, as Pastor Louis also shared this morning, it's also a testimony to our community's faith, where we wait to hear on God. And as you saw uh, on the, the clip, we've, last year people waited, and as we added up what they felt God asked them to, to pledge or to trust Him for in faith, it was about 5 million rand. And with one month, about two weeks giving still to come, because the pledge ends at the end of October, we're actually 90% over. So we're probably going to get more than 100% of our pledging which interestingly enough has been our testimony for quite a few years. And so well done, Hatfield, that when we wait on God and we hear, then we actually deliver on God's promise. Hey? Not bad at all. Got it right that time. And so if you can look at the card that you have in front of you, if you can particularly look at just the side with your uh, personal particulars on, this is to help us participate. Please don't fill in the other side of the card yet because I'd like to make some time where we can pray and just uh, wait on the Lord before we do that and do the, the up properly. But if you can fill in on the card your title, your real one, not your um, one you aspire to have one day, and your initials, uh, that would help. And then also just your name and your surname. And just by the way, all this information you give us is kept on a secure part, uh, database. It's, uh, it's properly covered by the Poppy Acts and, and all those kinds of uh, legislation. We're compliant in that regard. If you can, give us your cell phone number and email address so that we can contact you. Um, it's always difficult to time how quickly people write, but um, you all look super intelligent and dexterous, so if you can please fill in your cell phone number and email there. 
And then also ID number, as that will help us just differentiate uh, in case there's people that have similar names and things like that. Even if you have given to faith promise in years gone by, each year is a new pledge. We don't automatically renew your pledge at all from the previous year. So as you're completing that part of the card, I'd like to make some time now where we wait and we hear what God is saying to each of us around should we contribute to this pledge and then if so, how much. And we'll talk about how we can do that once we pledge, turn over the page. But I wonder if we could take a, a minute or two at this time in the service just to pray and wait on God. So we're going to do a, an up exercise. Father, thank you so much for the faithfulness that you've given where many of our members have stepped out and trusted you last year what they should pledge. And thank you for your great faithfulness in that that pledge has come in. And we expect to even exceed that, Lord, if the, if the numbers look as the numbers look at the moment. But Lord, we wait on you now to say, what would you want us to pledge for the coming 10 months? For the coming year, Lord, what would you want us to pledge towards your mission at this church? So I'm just going to give a, a short while where we can just wait and hear from the Lord. Trust you've been able to hear from the Lord in this time. If you haven't and you want to perhaps take this home and consider it prayerfully, we'll be uh, collecting pledges for the next four Sundays. If you're married and you want to discuss it with your spouse, uh, you're welcome to do that. Um, there is a cell phone number towards which you can send an SMS. The cell phone number will come up on the screen now. Uh, just for the radio listeners, it's 083 0830160. And to that, you can also just SMS then your name, uh, the amount you want to give, and then if it's per month or once off, and per month then uh, we'll know then it's for 10 months in this scenario. Does anyone still need a little bit more time to fill in? Looks like we're doing good. At the uh, end of the rows, if you just look, there'll be a plastic container that looks like this. Uh, if you want to perhaps fold your card in half, unless you want everyone to see how much you pledged, you can just fold it in half, and then if I can ask that the, uh, you just send the uh, trays, the plastic trays down the rows, and if you can just drop your cards in there, and there's a team from our uh, go, go, going department, our missions and ministry guys, who will help us collect that. Very much appreciate that. Thank you for being here tonight, and for addressing warmly and for coming. I'd like to just pray a blessing on you, and then that will be conclude our service for this evening. Father, thank you for each one. Thank you particularly that you have spoken to us and that as we live this up in and out life, as we look through at the facts but also through the eyes of faith at our lives, that which you've promised to us, we can be fully persuaded that you will do because you are able. And so, Lord, I bless each one under the sound of my voice this evening. I ask, Lord, for your presence to go with them in this week. That as we sang earlier this evening, we would carry your glory wherever we go in this week. For those facing challenges and difficult situations, I pray, Lord, for the boldness and the comfort of your spirit to be with them as they go. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, everyone. Have a good week.